Community Alliance with Family Farmers and the Farmers Guild present the Farmers Beat podcast. That's B-E-E-T. Thank you for tuning in to our first podcast episode. My name is Kaylee Feierisel. I'm an organic farmer, work at CAF and the Farmers Guild, and I am the host of these episodes where we hear directly from small family farmers throughout California, getting the real information and stories behind the food we grow and eat. In this series, we pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques, farmer to farmer. In this episode, we visit Jake Daigle, farm manager of Live Oak Farm in Petaluma. The beauty of the work and the connection with the people, that's what I love about it, connecting people with food. He tells us about his transition from New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina to California, the reasons that keep him farming despite the bumps along the way, and the challenges that face a small farm. We also focus on his compost system that integrates good food safety practices and the innovative paperwork system he has developed for keeping track of compost temperatures. We are looking at our compost yard, glorified compost yard, which is basically a flat area that we've minimized the drainage to capture all of the runoff as best we can. And we've set up three more or less 150 foot windrows. And ultimately it'll probably yield us like a hundred yards of compost. We're standing at Live Oak Farm in Petaluma, California, and he's describing the mounds of compost in front of us. This pile that's really dark and finished was made earlier in the year. So these will transform over the next two months. You know, it could happen as fast as 30 days if you're turning it constantly, but we obviously can't commit all of our time to making compost. So we try to do it per regulations, which say we have to turn it seven times for two weeks. Pretty sure it's something like that. Seven times for two weeks and maintain 131 degrees. Live Oak Farm is unique in that farms of their size do not usually make their own compost, certainly not at the scale they are doing it here. We have set out all these bales of straw and rice straw and oat straw, and I've tried to stagger them one and then the other. And now I'm going to position the tractor and the turner so that if it goes over all of those bales and fluffs them up. And it works by spinning a uh, cylinder that has paddles on them and the paddles are angled to where when they throw the material it creates a mound and that's ideal because it's not putting too much weight on one part of the pile. Jake's been the farm manager at Live Oak Farm for three seasons and the farm's only four seasons old. Early on the farm invested in a compost turner which has allowed them to efficiently, safely, and consistently make on-farm compost. He acknowledges that building compost takes time away from other farm needs, but it's worth it. We want to add as much compost as we can, good quality, high quality compost. And we've been experimenting with extracting nutrients from that compost and injecting them into our lines and using vermiculture and brewing a compost tea and then spraying that in our nursery and our plants are getting inoculated from the point of seed and germination and then we're trying to increase that healthy population in the soil as they grow and we've had really good results this season but we're trying to improve that quality and those methods and the frequency 
you know, finding the time to inject pulls you away from everything else. You know, we're still a young farm, so we're still trying to figure out what, what works, what's, what's best practices, and how we can be better. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding with microbes and, and building soil life. It's just, it's fundamental. So we've seen results, and we're hoping to share those, too. If we could work together with this, this yeah, would be great. Yeah, turn the water on for me when, when I need you to. Looking up the water here. It's a cam lock fitting into the machine. Jake left New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and made his way out to California. And after seeing that destruction um, of a natural disaster, I moved to the West Coast and immersed myself really in natural beauty and realized how important it is to steward the earth and to give back because we take and take and take. I studied at College of Marin after I worked on a farm in West Marin and I just fell in love with it. But he's not the first of his family to farm. Two generations ago, my great-grandparents had a hundred acre farm in New Orleans. And then my great uncle had a pig farm with a lot of pigs in Louisiana. My mom's side of the family still has land that she leases for oysters. So that side of agriculture is still in our family. But this type of organic agriculture is new to my family. Live Oak Farm grows a mix of vegetable crops and fruit. They have over a thousand fruit trees like apples, pluots, persimmons, and pomegranates. The land is 30 acres, but they're farming seven. Live Oak Farm is part of a particular vision, Sonoma County's first agri-hood. The long-term plan is to create homes on the 30 acres that we have here. It's a neighborhood that supports the agriculture within it. And I got behind that idea and have been working with the owner of the property, Randy, for a while on making that a reality. Seeing the land transform over the years is pretty powerful. It makes me happy. And, and to see the increase of birds and insects and fertility, you know, as, as we work organic material into our soil, you can really see and feel the difference in it. Fertility is deeply important to any farm, and at Live Oak Farm, their soil is tremendously sandy. Jake says the soil organic matter is only about 1%. This is why creating compost is so important. But creating compost is not just about the physical process. One also has to be aware of regulations, which require excellent record keeping. The new Federal Food Safety Modernization Act, or FSMA, requires farms to adhere to two types of on-farm composting methods. The first method is called static composting, and it is done by maintaining aerobic conditions at a minimum of 131 degrees for three days. Then it is followed by adequate curing, which includes proper insulation. The second method of on-farm composting is called turn composting, which maintains aerobic conditions at a minimum of 131 degrees for 15 days that do not have to be consecutive. Turn composting has a minimum of five turnings and is followed by adequate curing. FSMA requires that farms using compost they make on farm to have written records to prove the compost you are using has met these time, temperature, and turning criteria. 
Let's hear more from Jake on how they make their compost. We know that we have to use a specific ratio of carbon to nitrogen, and that's around 25 parts carbon to one part nitrogen. So we've trialed different types of straw as a brown material, as a carbon-rich material, and oat straw and rice straw and wheat straw. You know, we, we've used all three different types. We like rice straw the best, but it can be hard to come by. And before I was hired, the decision was made to buy a compost turner. And most small farms can't afford a piece of equipment like that. But we figured it was an investment. The turner that we use wets the material as well. So once you have that, and you have to do that first because if you make a full pile with all of your ingredients with full bales, that straw will kind of float to the top because it's lighter. So what we do is we found that it's best to just fluff it up first and then add some of the heavier, denser material onto that. And then it kind of all homogenizes and becomes a, a, a nice mix. And to get that usually takes two turnings and you have to go really slow, like a creeper gear on your tractor and just let the turner do its thing. And it, it's wetting the pile as you go, like I said, so you want that moisture to saturate throughout. And then it's just a matter of monitoring it. You know, once it's built after about a day, you know, it happens really quick that the, the microbes kind of take hold and they start digesting and reproducing and creating so much, so much activity that the pile is actually heating up. And it can spike to close to 200 degrees in that first, first stage, that thermophilic stage where the microbes are really, really doing their thing. Every day we're logging the temperature. We have a compost thermometer and you insert that into the middle of the pile and we try to get from different locations on the pile and then just average that. And for two weeks, we make sure that it's within the range of above 130 degrees, which it's usually well above that, usually around 160. And so that's totally fine. And then our recording always shows like a steady decline after that. And then it's cooled down, in which case it's done. And that's usually after about four to five weeks. And you can really tell that none of the material looks like what you put in in the beginning, so. Not all farms have to be in full compliance with the new FISMA law. Some farms are fully exempt from the law and others have a qualified exemption, which basically means a partial exemption. The FISMA static and turn compost making requirements that I mentioned earlier are the requirements for farms that have to be in full compliance with the law. Farms with either of the exemptions can self-elect to be in compliance with the compost requirements if they want. You can learn more about the three different farm categories under FISMA in our FISMA 101 fact sheet and webinars linked in the show notes. So every pile we make, we, we date it. We, we create a new sheet per pile. So in our compost yard right now, we have three piles. We'll make three separate sheets, so one per pile. And on that sheet, we include what ingredients went into it and then the date of the turnings and the way our records are laid out is that it's a grid and so on the y-axis it's the temperature and on the x-axis it's the date and so we may not turn it every day but we 
take its temperature every day. And so on that grid, you can see the temperature go down visually, which is pretty cool. And we also note whether we turned it and watered it. So here's what our records look like. This was the first pile that we made earlier this year. And when it was made, it got up to 150 degrees. The y-axis shows the temperature in 10 degree increments until 120 degrees, and then it breaks it down by five degree increments. The x-axis shows the number of weeks on an eight week grid. Where there's a T on the chart is where the pile was turned and a W means the pile was watered. With just a quick glance at the sheet with four weeks of data, you can easily see how the temperature rose and then fell over time with the turnings. Yeah, it makes it really simple, makes it really user-friendly. I can ask one of my employees to go do that. I know that I'm gonna get what I asked them pretty easily. And at some point later in the year, we'll scan this and put it in with all of our other digital records. We try to keep everything on our computer. This podcast today is only focused on federal food safety regulations related to on-farm compost making. You might be wondering why a farmer has to adhere to these specific time, temperature, and turning procedures. The reason is that scientific research has shown that using these processes would kill any pathogens if they were present in your initial compost making ingredients. While the National Organic Program has very similar compost making requirements, what we discussed today is what's covered in FSMA. There's also California-specific regulations that we did not cover today. Those may be featured in future episodes. The advice I'd have for a small farmer would depend on their scale. So I would want to know how, how big their operation is, how much they're trying to produce, how much space they have to use, and if they want to invest in a tractor. Because turning a pile by hand is doable, but to do it at scale is going to take, a, take some time and a lot of energy. So unless you have the time to do that and the energy to do that or the employees to do that, you're going to want some machines to, to help you with that. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need a turner. You can just use the bucket of the tractor to turn the pile and make sure that you're incorporating the outside of the pile to the inside and the inside to the outside and just you get into a routine of of doing that that too you kind of want some space to use and so my advice for that person would be to figure out where you're going to get your ingredients for your for your pile what you have that you could use on your farm and then like i said how much do you want to make how much time do you want to commit to it Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF, and the Farmers Guild merged organizations in early 2017 so that together we could reach all California family farmers with one united voice. CAF's programming and policy work has existed for 40 years. The Farmers Guild will now assume the role of membership, outreach, events, and the chapter system for CAF. If you're curious about things you learned in this episode, like Jake's compost turner or his record keeping for compost temperature, head over to our show notes at calf.org backslash farmersbeat, that's B-E-E-T, where we have links, resources, and photographs. Also, follow us on Instagram at The Farmers Guild to stay up to date on what new episodes are released and see more pictures from farms featured in this podcast. This podcast would not exist without funding from the National Farmers Union and specifically their local food safety collaborative 
We thank them for their support of this work and helping real farmers share their food safety tips to other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in being on a future podcast or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at thefarmersbeat at calf.org. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode from CAF and the Farmers Guild, sharing farm fresh insights right from the field and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978. Thank you.